What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 29 of the Coffee Club Pod. We're back here, and our coffee shout-out today is actually our own coffee, the Coffee Club blend, which went on sale last week, and it's still available for purchase. So please check it out. It's on our website if you want to support us. Uh, We really appreciate it. It tastes pretty damn good, according to us, a very biased audience, as we're the ones that picked the coffee because we liked it the most. But yeah, it's pretty even much. Carlos just, likes it. Even Carlos, Carlos was being so mean about the coffee earlier. Which coffee? About any coffee. Yeah. And he was. He's tough to please, that man. You know, Carlos is. He's hard to please with the coffee. Yeah. When you got the but, Carlos seal of approval, you know it's good. It's a big deal. I think we did get the seal of approval, but it was hard work. We had to had work to really, for it. I had to really tease it out of him. Make that guy a lot of coffees. But moving past that, Ollie just won nationals. I don't know if you guys heard. It was kind of like a big deal. Won the. Did you hear George? I I yeah I I just found this hat. Just a coincidence. In, in honor of Ollie. Yeah. So I'm willing to put it on. So obviously <laughs> our episode last week was literally like the day before nationals. Ollie was feeling pretty good. We were feeling pretty good. But there's a difference between feeling pretty good and going out there and winning a national title in the 1500s. So he went and did that. So we need some like clapping or something. Can we do the effects? Yeah, well, we can just clap. <laughs> Avery, can you clap, please? I don't know if you can hear, but our intern uh, is clapping in the back. But, yeah, congratulations, Ollie. I mean, uh, it's it's weird because it's kind of been like five or six days now. So, obviously, we, we sent our best wishes at the time. But we're going to revisit it today. So, yeah. um, get ready to talk about yourself. Hope you're excited. <laughs> oh, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. No, thank you, guys. It was uh pretty sick experience first natties down and put in the books um yeah yeah it was pretty awesome we have to we have to make a clarification because we we did the research and we found that you actually have raced nationals before but not never open nationals open did nationals. you know that oh so i have ra- when did i race nationals what year was it you raced you raced under 20s in that would have been 26 no oh, 2016 yes. yeah in perth you know, I yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if we were going to meet. I think no, you came Rambo, I think you came sick of us. Rambo won the 5K and the 1500. That was the year that the 1500 was Worlds. There was Worlds yeah. on. And the 1500 had like six people under the standard. Yeah, and it's kind of crazy. Yeah, and it was a crazy year. Well, I think I repressed that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you ran like 359 and you came 11th. Out yeah, of I think I repressed it. It makes it more impressive though. It's a good bounce back, isn't it? Yeah. From 11th place under 20s to champion of the opens we'll take it and i mean, second place was matt ramsden who who won both those races so look at how the tables have turned i suppose he had a he had a he ran really well in that 15 as well and then came back and won the 5k um the next night so he's fit yeah rambo is fit yeah i mean i guess he was only a second behind you right and i I guess we should give like a brief play-by-play of the race like you you obviously closed extremely well it was like 148 last 800 and what was what was the what was the first two laps though was it slow i assume no, it, was, it was uh oh, i don't know what the first two, from 340 yeah. someone do the math 340 yeah. oh, i know the last 300 the last two last 200 was 26 the last 300 was 40 point something 
and then it was, the last uh, it was plan A. Was there were two plans, <laughs> d- depending on the weather. He One did, of them he was going eight hundred. What he said he was going to do. Yeah. Okay. Was no, that bad weather yeah, plan or was I, that good weather no, plan? I literally yeah. did. So Ritz and I talked about it, and he said, "Look," he said, um, "We could just go out from the gun and just like squeeze it, but then you have the That's issue no of well, yeah, and also you have the issue of like somebody." jumping on like Jai for what's happened to Stewie and then just getting the time and then also zap kicking you, slingshotting and, and beating you. Like it's probably better just to let the first lap go and then just rip it from two laps to go um, out. And then people, you know, he reckons that because of the strength and the racing that I've done that I should be able to handle that. So um, and that's what we did. It was literally exactly what we did was textbook, George. It was textbook. It was textbook. Um, textbook. Oh, my George. <laughs> yeah, because it definitely worked. George. Yeah, yeah. It was textbook. Comma. <laughs> I think the first lap was like sixty-six or something. Okay, I mean that makes sense. If you, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, credit to Ramsen because he was only a second behind you. So if you ran, he probably closed one point nine. Yeah, it's pretty. He did, yeah. New, new eight hundred meter PR for Ollie too. Was yep. it? I think you yep. also about forty kids out there, all coffee club fans, and uh, it was pretty sick. Like I didn't think because obviously we do our stuff in the US and we have like the outreach. But seeing like all those young Aussie kids like just loving it and loving Coffee Club and what we do was pretty sick. Yeah. Um, so they were like following me from leaving the uh, like call room all the way back to my bag and we're just chatting. I got like literally a thousand photos. Some of them reposted it, which was pretty sick. And they gave, yeah, gave me Mountain Dew. They were joking around with shit. They were asking who's looking after Gus. Um it was great. And the nice thing too was I actually brought this time to me, I brought stickers. So I brought a shit ton of stickers. So I it's handed crazy. out stickers to all of them and they freaking loved it. And they got all these stickers. <laughs> in. But the, cool, the the funniest thing was that we had these um, WA kids. Like there was like six or seven of WA kids. They were just like massive fans and they just want to get photos. And Ramson's from WA and he's just walking straight past. I'm like, damn. Ooh. That's that's not, <laughs> yeah. That hurts. Yeah, no allegiance, no allegiance to state um, state pride. But yeah, it was pretty It was pretty sick. And then my parents were there um, and they were like, just didn't know what was going on. They're like, what the hell is this? Because they've never seen that before. Like, because last time I competed in front of them, I think I was getting 12th at nationals, apparently. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, yeah it was pretty sick. And the one thing that was really cool too was um, my dad cried. So first time I've seen oh, him cry. No. That's first time? What happened was my dad had a chest infection. He's all good now. But um, I started to get a cough the day before the race and he was freaking out thinking he's giving it to me because he had to stay at home because of work. He works with disabled people, so he didn't want to get them sick. And he was freaking out that he got me sick and that I was going to destroy my race. So he was a nervous wreck apparently in the <laughs> VIP box. Can and then imagine? when I won, apparently um, – Rowan Browning, who was, who was there, um, he looked over and saw my dad just breaking down. So it was, it was pretty cool. Finally it's got him. I cracked him. I cracked, cracked Greggy. How have the days off been? All the days since the race? Uh, we went up to McMaster's Beach. It's like a beach house my mom's side of the family has. And we went up there for a day. It was awesome. It was actually good weather for that. My dad caught three fish in the space of 15 minutes. It's a new record. <laughs> Got a massive brim too, and he threw it back in. The idiot. We could have eaten it. Uh, my brother and I went for a swim and a surf. The weather, the surf's been pumping too because of the weather, like the storms and stuff. So the the water's a bit dirty, but it was really fun. Really nice to be up there. Like you just, 
I think when you go home and you get to experience a bit of home after a long time of being away, it's just really refreshing. So I had that for the couple of days. I caught up with my grandparents. They're like 93 and 96. Um, so they're pretty old. So I don't know if I'll you know, be able to see them again, but it was nice to catch up and see how they're doing. And then other than that, for my break, I've been playing a shit ton of uh, video games and eating fast food. What so do you expect? Like, yeah. right? Ritz, Ritz gave the all clear on surfing. <laughs> oh, I... I didn't didn't tell him <laughs> and the surf was big it was like three meters or something shit yeah, yeah i didn't tell him that what anyway anyway it's i'm fine i'm fine what else has been happening on your end fellas how's the covid uh situation COVID are you guys outbreak? feeling all better or yeah so we got it under control yeah it is under control <laughs> this, is, this is episode three where since like we've talked about covid and things are definitely back in normalcy now for pretty much everyone i'm still coming back in terms of like the the effects that it had on my body with training and stuff but luckily the team has been able to like meet again and all that so it is pretty good yeah we're mostly back to normal joe was the last uh victim and he yeah had like the shortest time with it anyway so isn't joe isn't joe already back working out now yeah, he ran 20 miles yesterday Oh, pretty freaking pretty freaking hard feeling pretty good <laughs> and he's already yeah he worked out with me on <clears throat> sunday and he he actually only he did like two thirds of it maybe but i he could have done all of it easily <laughs> yeah well we obviously can't wait for you to come back it's only a few days now and he'll be back in the country uh we yep. hope you have a a good trip back a nice travel on that long flight um the rest of this episode we're going to roll into an interview with Mr. Scott Farber, which we did this morning, which was a lot of fun in his lead up to Boston Marathon. So stick around and enjoy that. But yeah, once again, Ollie, congratulations on the big national title, crushing it down under. Can't wait to see you back here very soon. So I'm just trying to rep Coffee Club as best as possible, boys. Looking forward to seeing you guys. And we're back. Uh, we got our guest here, Mr. Scott Farber. Scott, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. That's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, we should mention... Quickly, we're drinking some lovely coffee that was sent to us by Katie. It's, uh, what's it called, George? Uh, Stella Morning Blend, Marfa Coffee Company, somewhere in Texas. Shout out Texas. And the bag is super cool. I don't really know a lot about Marfa, but I'm pretty sure it's like some cool artsy town. So this seems pretty typical, but it tastes really good. So thank you very much for sending it out. Um, we still love receiving coffee from anyone who wants to send it. So thank you for that. But <laughs> yeah, we're just going to roll into it. Uh, and... Um, you know, we got Scott here, obviously, because, well, should I call you, do you go by Scott? Scott's fine, yeah. Do you like it, or do you like, like, fob? people call you fobs, right? I'm not that picky about what people call me, you know, as, as long as it's not, like, idiot, or, like, <laughs> Dickhead. like fuckhead, you know, yeah. it's fine, then do you, whatever. Do you get that a lot? Idiot? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, occasionally, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, man. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you're, like, kind of on a, well, I guess it's a very, very low-key, but, like, a little bit of a media tour. I, I, I was, like, I was looking you up yesterday, and I saw you just did the Running Rivals podcast. Uh, have you done anything else? Or is this the, is this the media tour? Uh, yeah, I did the Running Rivals one. Um, I did the uh, the Trackster thing where you run with the guy uh, Everett oh, and yeah, yeah. films you. So I did that, and now I've got this one. So yeah, I'm back, baby. I'm on the circuit. <laughs> well, I hope yeah. it's not like. I mean, 
probably some of the questions will be about hope it's not just like repeating yourself i don't know i don't know if you've you guys have had that before but when you when you get the same questions you just become like a robot like when, yeah. you, when you, you know you've said it before and you get into stuck in that pattern so hopefully we'll ask you some other wild interesting stuff i was telling him before that i'm very excited to have him on because obviously all of his running achievements but also uh, it's just interesting because you've done a lot of like cool media stuff both you on a personal level but also i think with nz elite like there was a lot of, you like there's a lot of there's a reason you're a very popular runner you know i think like you show a lot of your personality um burritos yeah you yeah like, you like burritos so. yeah and you know i don't mind doing a lot of interviews because i get to talk more about myself and as you know as many people know i'm i'm very self-centered so uh, <laughs> i'm happy to, know. to talk about myself at any given moment did you know that about him george when you guys were in flag together <laughs> that's scott oh, guy man he just fucking loves himself he yeah. wouldn't shut up interesting you say that we ran into each other surprisingly small number of times really? in like five years but I mean, I was thinking about it when, when we were thinking of having Scott on. I was like thinking of when I got to flag and I was so clueless about like the running community. Like I didn't, yeah, I don't think you even, even I even knew what pro running was, but yeah. like in AZ Elite and people like Scott were like my first introduction to what like a pro runner was because they were just like living in the same town. I was like, these guys, what, they just run for a living? Yeah. What are these guys doing? Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense, honestly. Yeah. I mean, and it was like, and then like I, you know, I feel like in AU, is is like big fan of NAZ and vice versa. I mean, I don't know. Just you like could, a big you old, could be a circle joke. Yeah, say? pretty much. <laughs> like I feel like I always felt like I was supporting NAZ because they were like locals. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I like, you you like can all, you can disagree with that. All the flag stuff is kind of like that. No. Um. Why is it people on the outside? There's a little bit of a like a. Um, there's some sort of like clicky. Like things in Flagstaff, like mm. a lot of groups that come in don't make any effort to. Uh, be mm. like a part of the community which is fine like they're not a part of the community they're there for a month but um, I think a lot of the people in the community there's like a lot of opportunities to be a part of like Flagstaff running whether it's volunteering at TRF or like going to the bagel runs or supporting NAU and it, it's tough not to yeah. support NAU and it's like you know Mike is great Mike Smith's great uh, before that Eric Hines was really cool mm. and like compared to what most universities are like people with track facilities sort of their attitudes towards sharing them and it used way more welcoming than like your average high school or yeah. your average university either. we've it's, talked about that before yeah how it's very yeah. well regularly yeah. <laughs> yeah we talked about that a little bit too much honestly yeah. <laughs> not 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 throwing any shade at any any local schools but we did have to travel two two hours away to use an tr indoor track when there's one like 10 minutes down the road would be nice to use that but unfortunately not that's not the way it goes but yeah, I, I mean, I didn't want to talk about this first off because in the Running Rivals podcast, it was literally the first question they asked you was Boulder versus Flagstaff. Wait, really? Yeah, so it's like, I'm like, the thing is, like, not that your answer is invalid, but I know exactly, like, even before I heard you answer that question, I knew exactly what you were going to say. Like, it's pretty much, it's pretty much like Boulder's a better city, Flagstaff has better trails for running. Like, that's kind of the crux of it, right? Yeah, and you can go down in Flagstaff. No, I didn't, I forgot um, about that. But oh, wait, should we give an update? Uh, sorry to cut you off. People are back on the Sedona track already. You guys see that? Yeah. It seems like everyone's back on there. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that, but I'm glad that the uh, defecation situation is sorted. <laughs> it's been solved, apparently. Yeah. yeah. But um, not yeah. that you probably go down there. Did what, Did you guys go down there much? Uh, no, not really. And I, I don't do a ton on the track anymore, so uh, I didn't really yeah. ever go down. 
Mm-hmm. Especially not, especially not when the uh, defecation happened. Yeah, I was not down there not, <laughs> when any sort of defecation happened. You gotta steer clear of that. Yeah. You don't want to be, uh, you don't want to be found guilty for that one. But yeah, so there's like obviously a lot to talk to you about because there's just like so much interesting stuff. But we're gonna start with obviously Boston because that's that's why the media tour is happening. You're racing a marathon in what two weeks from Monday? Is it? Two weeks from last Monday. Two, yeah, yeah. Less, oh, less, less than two, two weeks, weeks now. Yeah, I'll leave for Bo- or for Boston in uh, eight days. Damn, that's exciting. And you've raced that one um, just once before, or more than once? Twice. Twice. Yeah. Do you like Do you like that type of course? I do. Yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah. And I think, um, I think those are courses like uh, Boston and New York are the ones I can do the best at. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's those races are just not two hundred three or two hundred five races like most of the. Uh, marathons across the world are and look i'm a self i'm a confident guy but i i know that like running in the 205s or the 204s is like probably not going to happen to me so you know i would like to be in races that i can hopefully be up front and be a factor in and so you kind of have to pick your spots when you know you're a 209 guy racing 203 204 guys um and boston and new york are spots where uh, I can kind of compete with those guys. It's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Even the playing field event. Yeah, yeah. You're just like. Would you say you're pretty tough? <laughs> I sure hope so. <laughs> yeah, I uh, no. That's I would say that's part of my like Im- self image. Yeah, being pretty tough. Yeah, that's kind of like the way to do it for marathoners. I feel like I guess all marathoners are tough if you're racing the freaking marathon. But yeah, I mean it's it's cool to have success in New York and Boston, and that's that's probably a big part of like what kind of blew you up like it's kind of weird saying that but you had like back-to-back success at both new york and and boston and those were right next to each other right like just like how many months apart is that like five yeah uh new york is in november boston's in april so it was november december and you were you were top 10 at both of them and i think new york you were second american yep and first american boston so like having that back-to-back that's kind of what like made you a freaking like star right yeah i mean i don't you know it's uh i don't know how much of a star i am i i don't like you know i'm very i'm very like situation not very famous i'm situationally famous like it's niche yeah like i can go to target just fine like like i will like if i was walking down boylston on uh on boston marathon weekend yeah like you're a big deal you're a big deal yeah <laughs> you're in the right place at the right yeah. time yeah <laughs> i mean yeah that's unfortunately reality at a very popular trailhead <laughs> with many people somebody <laughs> might recognize it. Yeah. yeah that's the running mode in a nutshell right there yeah it, it is so weird because even like people look at boulder as like as like a big running town but i feel like this is not the place to get recognized i could be wrong obviously there are some people who like a massive running fans here but i feel like no one cares really maybe there's too many good runners here but like people don't really i think like, it's almost people are desensitized it's not yeah. like people don't recognize you it's like people see you like yeah. every few days so then they stop caring <laughs> like who's this who's this george kid i saw Kara goucher two days ago yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't care but uh, <laughs> yeah. but yeah kind of weird for that but okay i definitely want to talk about this later but i think we should just talk about it now can i ask you about the writing a book yeah let's do it was that like was that pretty cool experience yeah i mean it was uh yeah, it was fun. It was fun. And it was fun in part because I did well at the race at the end of it. Like if I had, it's a lot of work too. If I had done all that work and then gotten like 16th, like probably nobody reads that book and Fair. probably it doesn't come out. Fair. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, it was, it was fun to kind of like flex the brain again because yeah. I had been out of college for 
three years and I was sort of like, was feeling very like stale intellectually. And I know about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you we need, talked about that last week, I think. Yeah. And if you know, yeah. if you don't have a hobby and if you don't flex that muscle, then it, it like, you start to kind of like feel like shit, you know? Mm-hmm. So you wrote it in the lead up to that Boston marathon to New York. Wait, it was yeah. to New York. It was New York, <clears throat> but then you put it like a, you also added, was there like a second edition you did? Cause there was something about Boston. One of the things, right? Yep. So we did the first one or the, the first version came out about New York about getting seventh there and all the training leading up to it. And then after we did so well at Boston, you know, my profile went up and we thought like, okay, like let's put in an afterward, like let's put in an extra chapter, um, reprint it and sell it again as a new product. Um, so yeah, the current version that you can get includes a chapter about Boston and that's on Amazon. If anyone, Mm -hmm. if anyone would like to buy that, uh, it's got inside a marathon. Yeah. Inside a marathon by myself and my former coach, Ben Rosario. Yeah, so how did that dual writing, or do you guys write like chapters each or something? Yeah, so each chapter is like a week. So uh, like chapter one is the first week we got to, we started doing workouts. Oh, so and you just copied Matt Bax's training log. Basically, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's a... Uh, Fellow author. <laughs> yeah. Being AZ. He, you know, he was sort of on my corner. He published his after mine. But, oh, okay, um, fair enough. Uh, no, like, at, you know, at its like most basic, it's a training log, but... It's also got like, and it does have every single thing I did leading up to that race. Like every minute of core, every time I got physio, every time I went to the weight room, every run I did, all every single one of my splits. Um, and, uh, but in, in addition to that, it's like, you know, there's like a thousand, 1500 word summary of the week. And I don't know, I felt like both Ben and I were pretty honest and pretty vulnerable about like, um, you know, like in one t- at one point in one workout, I felt like I was going to have a panic attack like during the workout, and I shared that in the book. Like I didn't didn't hide from any of that, and I think that's what took it from a training log, which ultimately like it's pretty boring to read people's training logs, yeah. to like hopefully feeling more like a journal or like a diary entry, which is much more interesting to read, in my opinion. Yeah, that is, that is. I mean, it's a pretty great idea. I think a book is like a medium to share a lot of stuff that, as runners, we probably want to share. But obviously, an Instagram post isn't gonna mm-hmm. isn't gonna be similar. Can I? I don't want to get too personal, but like, does something like that like do pretty well for you financially? Like, is that a, like should we write books? <laughs> uh, <laughs> <We're struggling. laughs> should i be writing my training i'm really bad i'm really bad at documenting my training like, yeah how to answer that um <laughs> hey, you, you tried a, couple, a little while ago started that vlog yeah i did at one point it didn't last very long i would say it was we've made enough money to me not feeling like the work um was like a waste of time okay. by any means but i we're like we're not new york times bestsellers you know, and we didn't go through a publishing company in part so that we could get the book out really quickly. Like we published that three or four weeks after Boston or after, sorry, after New York. Yeah. And that included us editing it ourselves, like figuring out how to get it printed and bound all by ourselves. Um, like up, you know, formatting it all by ourselves. And then it also has like over 150 pictures and like you can still buy the color picture version on Amazon. It's more expensive now that it's on Amazon, but, um, so yeah, it was like, that's a lot of work. Yeah. It was a lot of work. (laughs) Um, but no, I mean, we, you know, we, we did fine. We did fine with it. Okay. We did fine. Yeah. I guess that's all we're getting. Yeah. So maybe we have to write a book ourselves to find out really how much, (laughs) how much money you can make. I have to feel like, I mean, there's like, there's a few running books. Yeah. Like running books are really cool. I think like, cause it's not, 
there's not like a ton or maybe there is and I just don't pay attention to them but the ones that I do know have had a big impact on me like I don't know George have you read like Running with the Buffaloes mm. you haven't read any running books have you Mm. what are the other ones <laughs> uh running with the pre, what's, pre, what's the pre one uh there's a really good one by bill bill well bill bauman and the men of oregon is really good there's there's like three or four about <coughs> what's um, that fake roger one? bannister yeah roger bannister um, sub four something yeah and then i think another That's one's called one. like the perfect mile Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, once once a runner. That's once the a runner is the one, right? Okay, that's a really good book as well. I haven't read that. That's the one where they guide it. Have you read that? <laughs> yeah, once a runner, and then the sequel again, the Carthage. I haven't read that. I need yeah. to take that out. Um, actually, another one I really like, which is something else I want to talk to you about, is called "How Bad Do You Want It." You know, you, do you know that book's called? Yeah, and I know Matt Fitzgerald pretty well. Yeah, I was yeah. going to ask you. Did did he came and wrote a book on NAZ Elite? Didn't he? He did. Yeah, uh, it wasn't about NAZ Elite. It was he wanted to write a book about what it was like for ostensibly like a normal runner who cared a lot but wasn't super talented like what if you could dedicate your sort of like 12 or 16 weeks to a marathon buildup the same way the pros do mm-hmm. um and i think i think it was called uh running like a pro or something like that yeah and so he came to flagstaff um in the fall of 2017 spent like 12 or 14 weeks in flag with us every day coming to practice and you know, lifting weights and seeing the Cairo and um, basically doing like an amateur version of what a pro marathon buildup looked like. Mm-hmm. Can, and, we, can we get a spoiler? Did it, yeah, yeah, he, he PR'd. He PR'd by quite a bit um, in the marathon, despite having like a pretty bad uh, adductor injury, like four or five weeks out. So um, oh, yeah, so he, you know, and Matt's a good example of someone who, uh, like I think a lot of the ru- books around running are like pretty simple, but it's still like a lot of work to like create it. And Matt does a very good job of like, he's always working on two or three things at a time. Like he's always looking for different angles. He's a hustler. He works really hard and he's sold a lot of books, you know? Yeah. And good for him. He definitely writes a lot of books. I, yeah. I have noticed that. Like I haven't read a lot of them, but you should check out how bad do you want it? It's like a book where it's like each chapter is like a lesson essentially and he he goes like a deep dive on a different they're all endurance sports based but it's like a different sport and a different athlete he'll focus on to like show the lesson it's definitely one that i would like recommend to anyone just like it's just a cool it just it's one of those books that leaves you pretty inspired which is to me what a lot of running books do like you get pretty like pumped after reading them so i have to admit i haven't read your book but i think i'm gonna have to get it <laughs> definitely i'm gonna have i was to thinking the same thing well i i haven't read a running book in a long time to be fair like that was like yeah. when i was like a little loser this is making me think there's there's like a lot of media out there about naz in general there's a shit ton. this this made me think of and I'm annoyed because I haven't watched this because I couldn't figure out how. I know what you're about to say. Is yeah. the Rabbit Wolf, like Stephen Kirsch's yeah. film leading up to the marathon trials. But it was only on like, there were like showings. And I didn't know how to watch it, but the trailer looked freaking sick. <laughs> I like, I tried to like watch it legally. Yeah. Tried to like find that online. What was it called? It's called A Time and a Place. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. And I, think I love the stuff Kirsch does also. Yeah, Stephen and uh, Ryan Sterner are both very talented and um but that was really cool i mean that was great i'm like a very tangential part of that considering uh like alfine tuliamuk wins the Olympic yeah, trials it's a pretty, like, what a freaking yeah. good, it's a pretty good story yeah what a, great, make. what a great uh like capper on the movie too um yeah, definitely have they, have they not released it i think it's on vimeo now i think you can watch it on vimeo do you, can do you just buy it 
I, yeah, like, I think it's, I don't know. I mean, I don't know the pricing. I've seen it like three or four times. So I don't really, <laughs> I don't really feel the I'm need to like uh, uh, go and like buy it on Vimeo. But I think everyone should. I think it was an awesome project by, by Kirsch and Cerner. And, um, you know, they had like, obviously it's really tough to get your documentary on like a Netflix or an HBO or whatever. So, um, you know, I think there's probably still hope for that. But right now it's, it's on Vimeo. Yeah. Pretty sure. Right, I we, could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure. I think that sounds it. right. I've yeah. watched the trailer on Vimeo yeah. at least. We got a we got a little list. We got some books to read, some movies to watch, but yeah, a lot of it is like a lot of it. This is kind of what I was getting like talking about at the beginning, where NAZ Elite have done like a great job of publicizing themselves, and you were obviously a really big part of it. Was that like when you were there, like kind of something that obviously like. Ben Rosario, your former coach, he has like a, a mind for that. Because some coaches, you know, are just like, I don't give a fuck about that. Like, I just want to like train and race. But um, is that something that like is like, it's kind of like a conscious decision as a team? Like, we we need to like put effort into giving content or whatever you want to call it to fans. Because especially as a marathon group, when your athletes are only racing one, two times a year, maybe like it is definitely hard to follow. But yeah, was that something that was like put emphasis on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the like team motto, the team credo was uh, like train hard, race fiercely, share every part of the journey. Makes so, sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that I think comes a lot from like when Ben started the group, A, he put a bunch of his own money into it with the hope that um, he would be able to like basically sell a sponsor on coming on to the, to the group. And they did with Hoka. And uh he sees the value in the team being like its own brand in order to create value for whoever the sponsors are. Which um, makes, that's, I mean, yeah. that's what it should be in a sense. Yeah. And it clearly is like, is working. You know, when I was at NAZ Elite, uh, they, the most recent contract with Hoka included health insurance for the athletes. Like Don't that's unheard started. of. Don't you get know? started, man. Uh, <laughs> and it shouldn't, it shouldn't be unheard of, but, uh, and I, you know, I'm not like, I don't think that Hoka was doing NAZ Elite some huge favor by like, by providing health insurance. Like NAZ Elite had built enough value that they were able to ask for that and receive it. Like that wasn't, that's a partnership. That's something that they earned, not something that Hoka did out of the goodness of their no, heart. No, 100%. I, yeah. don't, I don't know what the numbers are, but I think... If you look at how much success Hoka has had as a brand in the last ten years or whatever, I think a lot of it they probably has got yeah, a big part of that. Yeah, <laughs> I think like no doubt. Yeah, like it's it's pretty crazy. So just just for context, so you joined the team in 2015. I did. Yeah, how fall long, of 2015. How long before that did the team start? Uh, I think the team formed officially in like the early parts of 2014, and then they signed on with Hoka in the early parts of 2015. So you're like pretty much day one. Yeah, this means we moved to Flag. Did you move to Flag then too? Yep. And we yeah. got to Flag at the same time. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Damn, that is cool. But, uh, okay, I like how at the start of this, like I started by saying, let's talk about like Boston Marathon. Now <laughs> we haven't talked yeah. about it once yet, but uh, just still going down this tangent. I do want to talk about Portland because you went to yep. Portland, right? Let's do it. And I've, I actually, I see a lot of similarities or parallels between Portland and NAZ Elite in terms of like a slight underdog mentality, like very, very likable. Like I, what's the name of the coach of Portland? Rob Connor. Yeah. He's like a legend. Like he's great. Great every, guy. Every yeah. single athlete that I know, like that has been trained by him, like absolutely loves him. And yeah, Portland's not a big school, but it's 
like has a lot of success and I think probably NAZ Elite um, at some point felt like a similar way where it's like we're going up against these big other groups but we're going to have like the success what was if you could just like sum up your Portland experience like what would you say because I think Portland is a school that I would recommend a lot of kids to like go to you know what I mean like like if you're not like if if you're like unsure like uh, and like because it's kids who obviously you know might not be getting like attention from like the top top schools I think Portland like is like everyone that goes there it seems to have a good time yeah yeah um how would I sum up my I had a great time in Portland I had a really good time and I think a lot of that a lot of the reason I think uh like a vast variety of kids having a really good time in Portland is because Rob really lets the athletes take ownership of the team like he's not um he's not a micromanager he's not like a dominating force he's uh he's in a lot of ways like his idea is to just guide people just help people develop and uh each kid is a, each student athlete is able to like take as much ownership or not that they want to. And the kids who don't take ownership, they usually don't make it all four or five years. And the kids who do end up having a really, really good experience, whether that's, you know, running in the 1340s and being an all American in cross country, or whether that's like finally breaking 1430, their fifth year and still having, um, but like making some of the best friends of their entire life along the way. Like there's a spot for basically everyone, um, with at least a modicum of talent. Uh, on the pilot team mm-hmm. and you know rob rob and i still text you know a couple times a month uh about you know variety of things i would check in about how the team's doing he asked how i'm doing and i think he has done a very good job of just like caring about caring about every single athlete that walks through that those doors yeah yeah i definitely see a lot of similarities to like a mike smith or like mick Byrne in terms of like almost being more of like a, a mental figure than just a coach and really like inspiring people to take responsibility like for themselves and their own running because that's like that's probably the big thing that I see is like if someone you can tell when a kid like doesn't really want to want it you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like kind of how you said how like Rob leaves it up to the kids like in this sport it's like at the end of the day it's so individual so it's like if you don't like have that like self-motivation that kind of drive like I feel like it's just not going to happen. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. Mike- and a big thing that Rob does that I, I didn't really realize it at the time, but now that we've talked about it, now that I like look back is that, uh, he really keeps like, if there's a kid who's maybe not as talented as a lot of other kids, but is going to work his ass off and run 110 miles a week and like, you know, be a really good teammate. That's really valuable to him because it keeps the top guys who are talented and maybe like, could have the um, leeway to slack off. It's like, like one of the guys in our, my class was named Griffin Hay. He was just not, you know, not super talented, but he worked his ass off. And if I'm there and I'm only running 85 miles a week, half-assing workouts, whatever, how do I look Griffin in the eye and be like, hey, we're, I'm working my ass off for the team too, when Griffin is less talented than me, but running way more and trying really hard, you know? Mm-hmm. So this like idea of developing really hard workers I think it keeps the top guys honest and it creates a culture of like accountability as well. And I think, yeah. I don't know if Rob, you, I know who you're thinking <laughs> yeah. about. Do you know who I'm thinking about on, on your team? No, but that is like, you could have been explaining like yeah. the exact same mentality that Smith has. Like there were, I mean, I don't know who you're thinking. I'm thinking about Harvey. 
Yeah, Javi's. I don't know because because I I mean I don't know all those six, but I know he was. You always described him as like he was just the best to have on a trip with the team. Like he he wasn't necessarily like scoring in the top five or in, even in the top seven, but he was like a kid that you wanted to have on, on every trip. Yeah, I could I could have named like half a dozen people <coughs> while I was on the team that yeah I mean that were list you know maybe less talented than some of the top guys and maybe weren't on the top seven, but like would go into a meeting with Smith at like the start of the summer and be like he, he'd be like he'll just give them free reign he's like you want to take responsibility for this you want to go have a crazy summer and they'll go out and, and run 120 miles a week and like they're doing like 10 10 doubles yeah. like, and like yeah. all this crazy shit and like the guys who are racing were like holy shit I'm not like I'm not even close to that but like man I'm gonna freaking yeah. do what I can to like have them respect me because yeah. that's some crazy shit it is, it is really interesting how much how much kind of more of an impact like the other kids have on a team's culture rather than the actual coach. Like obviously the co- the coach is extremely important and they're going to have a big impact, but your teammates are like who you're around like every single like every single run, every single you live with them and everything like a coach can only really do too much and obviously like I don't think we experience this, but I feel like if you have a coach that like tries too hard to like make the team a certain way, then that's when I don't know. I don't really like being told what to do. So if a coach like if a coach like was too controlling, it'd be like, I don't think that would work. But yeah, the coaches that let the kids kind of like form their own culture and put their trust, I guess, in the right people. I feel like that's how. I mean, that was all our experiences, and we're all obviously talking about it very positively. So maybe we're all biased. But yeah. <laughs> I no, know. I think when you talk to people who had like a really domineering coach or a dominating coach, then like if the coach is trying to make the team conform to his culture as opposed to him letting a healthy culture grow and fostering it, they end up like m- maybe having success, but not actually like enjoying their time there, mm-hmm. you know, or, and there's certain coaches, I don't want to like talk shit about a program I wasn't a part of, but um, there are certain coaches who that certainly I think applies to where the, a lot of guys come through that program and they're like, yeah, like I really like my teammates, but like I really resent my coach now. Yeah. That's not what you want. No. <laughs> Damn. So when exactly did you graduate from Portland? I finished my fifth year in the like summer of 2015. Okay, so were you part of the cross-country team that was top four? Uh, was that your last season? Yep. Yeah, we were third. Uh, myself and Woody Kincaid was on that team and okay. a few others. So uh, that, yeah, we were that, was third. My... that was our first podium on, in program history. Damn, I remember that being huge because that was my freshman year. Okay, and I remember I remember David Perry being on like crutches. Did yeah, that, was that that race? Yep. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I like because that was like that was like a kind of star-studded podium, but then mm-hmm. Portland was there. And it was like, <laughs> it was like fuck yeah, because <laughs> it was like CU. I think NAU was NAU there. Mm-hmm. Probably yeah, yeah. I see you won it. I think you know you were fourth. And BYU, I think was no, no. We we kicked the shit out of BYU. We beat BYU oh, yeah. there. I, think. <laughs> uh, I forget who was who was second. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe yeah, like Oklahoma. State I was gonna say Oklahoma State or someone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember like seeing Portland on the podium. Like, damn. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. I don't know why. I think maybe because purple is my favorite color. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are purple. I, I just always liked Portland. So. I, so I feel like we like Portland too as a yeah. team. I remember we felt a, a great kinship in 2017 about beating BYU. Anti BYU. Anti BYU. Yeah. When Portland got second and BYU 
got yes. third. And that was after BYU had perfect <laughs> scored Portland at conference. Yeah. Yeah. And so Portland had a real chip on their shoulder. Yeah. I think they're an easy it's an easy program to root for. I think it like, is, yeah. You know, Rob's been there for thirty years now. Like in a lot of ways they're an underdog who's been really consistent and they uh like they don't have like a ton of money. You know, it's like very easy to hate these programs that you feel like are very entitled, you yeah, know, like Oregon, man. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, that, that's a pretty good so example. It's so easy to just yeah. hate a team like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, my first couple of years at Portland, it was like, you got two short sleeves, one long sleeve, <laughs> a jacket and a pair of tights. And like, yeah, don't ask for too many uh, pairs of trainers. You get one pair of flats per season and we might run out of spikes if you're yeah you, know, well, you might have to share spikes so i honestly i honestly cannot talk because wisconsin is like a massive sports school we get we get Shit literally yeah we get, we get everything like you could ever ask for so i need to use more on that like yeah. i think it was only a few years before i got there that they were saying that like they had to buy their own shoes like mm-hmm. but times have, times have changed in the nau as well though oh hell the freaking white colors hell now yeah. <laughs> yeah have you have you seen the new facility in flagstaff uh, yeah, I mean, I've been in the indoor track. I haven't seen anything new, no. Like opposite the dome, like on the at Cardinal. Got like oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Fifty million dollar yeah sports facility. Dude, that flag is changing. when they were building that, that really pissed me off because I used to like running, doing loops at the yeah. uh, on Cardinal Field. Now you Dude, can't do that. Now how many it's locked up. how many miles you reckon you have put on Cardinal Field? <laughs> uh, I mean, if you include like the urban trail within two miles there, like. <laughs> Probably seventy five thousand. I don't know. <laughs> seventy five thousand. The number of laps someone like puts him, the number of laps that guy's put on Cardinal. Yeah. Is in like. Wait. So Cardinal is where they were doing the construction. Yeah. It's okay. kind of that double field. Yeah. I, where like dude, the I, little even field I put laps in there. Yeah. It, and they were doing construction. I broke into the construction really? site twenty twenty, putting those laps. But uh, yeah. You get fit running down that field. Yeah. Put puts him does. Hundreds of miles around there at at literally ten minute pace. Yeah. <laughs> He's like walking around there. Man, I want to train with Footsim. Everything you say about the way Footsim trains is, I'm like, man, I want to chill with that guy. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like chilling and training. But but I mean, I haven't had success for like three years now. So so I'm trying to like, I'm starting <laughs> to train harder. Don't worry. Did you, did you, you train were with in the last Olympics? Yeah. I don't know yeah. What do you mean about not having success? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, I, I was on the team with Footsim for. I think he was on the team for the NAZ Elite for a year or so. Yeah. Yeah. Would he chill on runs? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He would run very easy. I appreciate nice. it. Yeah. Big time chiller. But all right. So we've like, we've talked about a lot of we'll shit. Okay, we, can, we can probably talk about Boston now. Okay. Like more intense. Well, not even Boston, but more like the specific lead up because obviously like a very interesting thing for you is this going to, this is going to be your first marathon with your new coach. Yep. Um, Joe Bossard. Joe my, Bossard. My, yeah. my old coach. Mm-hmm. A like, couple of boss babes right here. Yeah, yeah we're like uh, brothers. I don't know what you would call it. But when that was at the end of 2021 when you made the swap? Yeah. Yeah, I left, uh, left NAZ Elite in mid-November and then spent about a month just training on my own and kind of just, you know, no, like, no coach, just yeah. sort of doing my own thing. And in that time, I, I made some phone calls, uh, got on the phone with Joe Really liked him, um, liked the sort of some of the changes that he was sort of um, he did differently than what we had done at NAZ Elite, and I think we started working together like formally in early or mid December, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, and yeah. it's been great. 
Yeah, I feel like I mean when you've been with the the same setup for six years, you probably just want like a change at some point. Was that I don't know? Was that like a big reason why you left? You were just like you felt like you'd kind of like gotten everything you could out of that like that setup, and you were like, well, if I want to like maybe like make some improvements or whatever, like I probably should change some things. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I I felt like I'd plateaued, and I felt like I needed. I felt like it wasn't going to be like little tweaks that was going to make help me get to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, felt like I needed some pretty big changes. And uh, you want to yeah. elaborate on these changes? Or are they secret? Are they- <laughs> no, I mean I just like <laughs> I had, like I had a ton of success with NAZ Elite. Like I had a really really good five years there, and I don't want to. I don't want it this to sound like I'm like not grateful for the opportunity or that I like don't really still care about Ben Rosario or really care about the team in general. Um, I just felt like we do a lot like at NAZ Elite, we did a lot of stuff in like sort of one range. We did a lot of stuff at marathon pace, a lot of stuff off one minute rest, and I just didn't feel like that was what was going to like breed success for me going forward. Mm-hmm. And um you know, I don't think any of like that, like I'm not giving away any secrets. All that training is really public and you could go check my Strava for every single workout I've, you know, done under Ben Rosario. Um, and I just felt like I needed to go in a different direction. And I think that happens, you know, like it's, it's really hard when you are going through that and you're like, these are people I really care about. And this is like, I think most people have this vision of their career where they're with one coach and one team, their whole career. And they keep getting better every single year and they keep PRing and they have success the whole time. And that's like extremely, extremely rare, if not impossible. And when you really look at it, there are very few people who have one coach their entire career, very few. And I just felt like I just needed a change. And I think part of that was because I wasn't in a good spot, I think mentally either. Like I was putting so much pressure on myself to have like success, you know, in the, like in the most like outcome oriented way possible where, um, I was coming into these workouts and being like, this is the day I need to do something special in order to be great at Boston, or that I need to have this awesome workout in order to, um, get to a level of fitness I haven't had before. And then PR, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, that's just a, it's not a fun way to train, um, to have like so much pressure on yourself every single, um, every single workout and B it's not like, like that's not reality. Like you don't need to have an A plus day every single time out. You might not even have to have an A plus day, a single time out in workouts. Um, as long as you can keep sort of hitting singles, um, you'll have success at the end of it. And so I certainly take responsibility for not, um, maybe not being in the right headspace towards the end there. Um, yeah. with NAZ Elite. And I just needed a change both mentally and physically to uh, kind of reset things. Mm-hmm. And I think I think we've done that. I think I've been in a much better spot, more process-oriented, more just like, hey, let's have a decent workout. Let's kind of be curious about what the day gives us. Let's not like have these set paces in mind that you absolutely need to hit in order to be great. And um, I've had more fun, and I've certainly had... Uh, yeah, just less pressure. I've put less pressure on myself. Um, this build up. Yeah, I yeah I don't I don't know like the specifics of how NAZ trains really, but I do know how obviously Joe Bossard trains, and it's like pretty simple. Like yeah, it's it's very like 
I don't know, CU. Like, they, obviously, a lot of people on the team, Joe and Emma, both went to CU. And it's very... CU has, like, a big... I don't know. They just go out there and run. Like, especially, like, the long runs and stuff and, like, the workouts. It's, like, it's pretty simple. And it's, like, yeah, just go out there and, like, get a good effort in. And then, obviously, Joe brings in... Because Joe Bossard, as a person, is very interested in a much more, like, sciencey stuff that isn't CU at all. Like, CU is completely, like, just, like got their hammer like 20 mile long run etc and then joe brings in like the like he's like big on the lifting but also like the lactate testing so um it's like a very nice mix and obviously from a marathon standpoint like emma bates had a ton of success there and like now dom's racing like tom scott's racing like half marathons and stuff so i feel like he's gonna like create something pretty good there and it's just gonna be fun i feel like it's fun like, cause that was a really big change for me. I hadn't ever done like a hard long run until I came here. Mm-hmm. And are you, are you on a nine day cycle still? Yep. Yeah. I just basically do a set hard session every third day. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's so basic. And like, so that means like your long run is always a workout. It's like, mm-hmm. you and you feel really fucking good for your long runs because yeah. you have the two days before it <laughs> and you know, you have two days after it. It's like, it's pretty fun. Like, like that's like, it's kind of like a romanticized thing in my mind, but the the ability to go out there and just like hammer the fuck out of a long run and know like that's like your training. Dude, if that's your only <laughs> hard run in a five day period. Oh yeah, that yeah. gives you like a lot of freedom on that <laughs> oh, day. Oh yeah, you can you can just crank it, man. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, and we've you know we've done a number of those. Done twenty four, three or four times. I've done twenty a bunch of times. And Joe's been he's been pretty. He hasn't let me like really off the leash. I've done a couple long runs where I was finishing in like the 5.10, 5.15 range um, mm-hmm. for the last few miles. But for the most part, he's just like, hey, two miles to kind of warm up and then start running in the 5.30, start running 5.30 pace for the next, you know, 18 or 22 miles. Dude, and it's I, like, yeah. it's so simple. It's just like, okay. <laughs> and, you know, that's uh, something that people do all over the world. Like that's a Canova thing is to do like yeah. a 40K um, effort at 90% of marathon pace or whatever mm-hmm. um do that three times in a block and try to get faster every time and yeah it's just it's uh it's been fun those are yeah. those are fun fun workouts they kind of suck at the time but then yeah i would i would always make the mistake like especially early on where like i would start dropping it down like too early and mm-hmm. you know once you once you've like you can't, can't go I, back yeah, you can't, <laughs> yeah. you can't you know how to slow down i'm like you have to keep you have to maintain that pace and so i would just be like hurting so bad at the end but it's just yeah it is very fun like a long run where you just like Especially because the reality of the team is it's like a lot of girls and not so many guys. So you end up doing a lot on your own. But like that solitude is kind of nice, like on those long runs sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But I guess, does Joe still have like that silly bike with like the little wheels? <laughs> uh, I think he definitely has the mini bike. He hasn't, he said it's too hard to bike like 530 pace on the mini bike. <laughs> okay. So he's been, he's been borrowing Will Lear's bike, which is Smart. pretty funny because it's like, it's a road bike with clips. So it's like legit. Yeah, but Joe doesn't have like shoes that clip into it. Oh. So he just rides in his sneakers and he had to walk it up, up some hills a few times. Like we've been doing this loop where we'll do like, you know, 14 or 15 or 17 or 18 miles flat. And then uh, two like really big hills towards the end of it. And he hasn't really been able to get up it. I on believe the, that. On the, big, the, the yeah. road bike. Joe is a funny guy like that where he's like, he inside with some things like that, he just like doesn't bother like. I don't know. Like some coaches would probably stress about like, oh, I need to get all this stuff. Joe's the type of guy that would like go to Europe with like just a backpack. Yeah. And, like not even <laughs> he won't even bring stuff. And then like if he like runs out of clothes, he doesn't have him. He'll like maybe buy a new pair of like underwear or something there. But he's like, I don't. Know. He, he's very funny, very entertaining to be around. But 
Yeah. So is there any, um, this is kind of a random question. Is there any metrics that you use to, to like tell that you're fit in the lead up to a marathon or is it just like, just based on how the sessions are going? In the past, like at NAZ Elite, we would do like a lot of really long sessions at or around marathon effort. So you could tell how well a marathon segment was going if you were really nailing those every week. Um, but Joe doesn't really do that. Uh, we haven't really run any miles at marathon effort. So uh, I'm just taking like my cues from Joe. He seems happy with the buildup. Uh, he seems optimistic about how the race is going to go. And, you know, I haven't, I had one like long run that I kind of had to grind out. But other than that, I had good workouts. And, you know, if you can't, I don't know. That's enough for me at this point. Yeah. I've done this enough times where I, I know that I sort of, I know how to run a marathon and I just, just a matter of whether or not we have the tools. And I think we do. We've had good workouts. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Any other Boston related questions? What's the race plan? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just going to go and like sort of sit in the pack. I just, I think I did too much work in the fall last time I ran Boston, I was up front and using too much energy. And I ideally, I think it would be good for me if people sort of forgot I was in the race. If you could watch the race and not see me at least for the first, uh, you know, 17 or 18 miles or whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, one piece of advice I've like given to friends who are running marathons that I'm going to try to take myself this time is first 20 miles, you're water last six miles, you're a bull. And I'm just going to try to do that. First 20 miles, as relaxed as possible. And then in Boston in particular, once you get over heartbreak, which is like 20 and a half, 20.7, the last five miles are really fast. So just be as smooth as possible until you get over heartbreak and then, you know, bring it home. That's good advice. Yeah. I like that. That's, that's, is, is, is CJ Albertson in the race again? He is. Good. Yeah. Same race plan? <laughs> I'm, sure he, I'm sure he will, yeah. Was he, on, was he leading the He went out in like 14-something, yeah. first 5K. Yeah. That'd be sick to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> Good no, TV no, time. No one will see it coming. Okay, did, did, is that a thing that, do you think anyone cares about getting TV time in the marathon? Because like in cycling, obviously, that's a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Do, you think, do you think brands actually value that? Uh, not really. No. <laughs> I was gonna, I mean, I guess it's not the same in running like it is in cycling. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe a little bit, maybe if you're there in the last three or four miles, but like all the press, like all the, I think return on investment is sort of done like after the race when people look at the results. I hope, I mean, I hope that's (laughs) how sports marketing managers look at it. Cause like, otherwise I'd just be going out, I'd just be going the biggest marathons in the world, banging out 10 good miles and just calling it a day. Yeah. Well, the crazy thing is I don't even think I could do that at some of the biggest marathons. (laughs) You put me next to Kipchoge at Berlin or London. It's like. It's like, all right, like I hope I can sit here for eight miles, but <laughs> pretty like quick. 434 pace is like awfully fast. And that's sort of it his is. marathon pace. Um, it, it is wild <laughs> to try and comprehend how quick the quick people in this sport is as a bunch of like pros, like we're like good runners, but still it's like, man, like they run so quick. But I, I think running times are always like that though, because even if you look at your own personal best, like I always look at say like my 5k time or like think about our 5k time. It's it's about 63s or something around there. Like if I was going to doing a session where I was doing like 800s at 206, like 5K pace, like that's a fucking hard session. Yeah. We run that for five whole Ks. It's weird to think about. It's intimidating. I don't know how many 800s I could do at that pace. <laughs> it doesn't sound easy, does it? But uh, wait, what is your marathon pace? 
20909 is my PB, mm-hmm. and that's like 454s. It's pretty quick. Yeah, I could 20, run a, 20, I could run a couple miles. of those. I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Less than ten, probably. Yeah, not not. Uh, you could you could run ten. You could run ten. Like you guys at NAU would do like you know like five, whatever. Like even if you're running five twenties at Buffalo Park, like that's really hard. Dude, I've never is. run five twenties at Buffalo Park. I, watching T Day run ten yeah. miles at Buffalo Park, yeah, was like ungodly. Yeah, because that place is so slow. Yeah, <laughs> it's unbelievable. I never, I, think that, I never got to work out there. I would run. Congrats! Congratulations! <laughs> Thank you. It's horrible. Somewhere <laughs> between five fifteen and five twenty for like eight miles was like when I that was on my best day. Mm-hmm. T day would run ten at five oh fives, just chatting away. Mm-hmm. I mean, five fifteens no to five twenties at Buffalo Park. That's like low four fifties on like a <laughs> like a sea level road. I, I, I really truly really believe that. I believe so, it. What? Oh, I wish T day was running. Yeah, he'll he'll be eventually. Yeah, but. Yeah, well, he's coming. Yeah, uh, we're definitely gonna be rooting for you at Boston. Now, I don't. Do we don't have yeah. anyone else to cheer for? Do we? No, you have. Can't, <laughs> you can't cheer for anybody. <laughs> I literally know it. Yeah. I'm trying to well, think. Like, Hav, Hav dropped out. Yeah, so Hav, can't cheer for Hav. Um, I don't really know. Who else do you think we would cheer for in the race? Who should we cheer against? <laughs> uh, who should you cheer against? Well, um, I mean, I you know, I think you should. Let's see. Who should you cheer for? Who's a good good story? I don't want to. Yeah, let's keep this positive. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think you know, like one of the sort of dark horses who I I really like and respect a lot is uh, like Nico Montanez. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, good hey, does, guy. Does he still train? Does he train in Mammoth? Yeah, he yeah, I think he trains in Mammoth. Good guy. Well, he went to BYU though, so mm-hmm. I know that's tough. But <laughs> he's tough he's out of there. You know, he's yeah. it's fine. Uh, he's been running well. Yeah. And then, you know, Colin Benny is a good guy, too. I, I like Colin. He's had a lot of success in the last couple of years, so maybe you can cheer against him. Bring him back okay. to earth, you know. Yeah, and then, that's uh, smart. And then Jared, Jared Ward's a good guy, too. It's tough to root against him, even more, though he didn't go to BYU. BYU. People. But, um, is he taking his thyroid medication yet? Do we know? <laughs> he is. Yeah, good. he's got Hashimoto's disease. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, hopefully he can, because obviously he struggled for a little bit. Hopefully he can, uh, he can like, have a good one, because he's yeah. obviously so talented. And, yeah, he's... Is he great? He is a yeah, dude. Freaking BYU man, like yeah. I want to. I hate BYU, but the individuals there, yeah, they're, they're pretty good guys. <laughs> you got you got to say like they're. I mean, that's like kind of like the thing about running in general, right? Is like everyone's just like kind of a good person. It's really hard to like dislike someone in this sport. Like we were talking about Grant Fisher last week, how like perfect he is, yeah. like, and like like literally every way. So <laughs> tough to hate that guy. I I really like him. Yeah, I hope <laughs> I hope someday the sport gets to a place where we can hate people. Though I think that's the next level for yeah. the sport. You know, if you sort of look at like the sport needs a really good heel. You know, like a mm-hmm. really good villain. Yeah, and it's easy to point to, uh, you know, my least favorite guy, Galen. Yeah, but like. <laughs> He's not like public facing, like he's not forward facing. He no. just like he shows up at the races and then you don't hear from him and then he goes back to Portland and it's like that's not really what makes a good heel. Yeah, you just don't think about him most yeah. of the time. Um, but like in other sports, you've got actually like it's very easy to dislike. For example, like Danny Ricardo. Like why would you say that? I just I don't <laughs> wait, know. Wait, I, I knew that was going to be a Formula One driver. I knew there wait, was going to be a Formula One driver coming, Danny but that Rick- wasn't what I was expecting. Okay, uh, I know that's a joke because he's the most likable person in the world. But 
Uh, there's just no like he's just so cocky. There's no humility. There's like his jokes aren't that funny. Shut up. He thinks he's okay, great. Let's let's uh, pretend that you said Lance know. Stroll. Let's pretend sure. you said Lance. Right, Lance humble. Stroll <laughs> yeah. or the other who's the other Russian driver. Oh, uh, Mazepin. He's gone. Yeah, Mazepin. Yeah, so he's gone. Okay, yeah. so mine, dude. I I'm so sick of Max. I just finished Drive to Survive last night, and like I didn't I like think Max. I'd be that into it because I was like so into the season already. I was like I don't need to rewatch this. But I just realized how much I don't like Max. I like Max. He's a prick. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot, of, a lot of people don't like Lewis Hamilton as well, I guess. So I feel like you kind of pick one. Lewis, I can see why people would dislike him because he's had so much success. Yeah. You know, it's easy to dislike someone who's at the top. Tom Brady. You know, Tom Brady is a great example. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, I think in this world of running, like, people are just... I mean, you could talk about this forever, but it's like, there needs to, people need to be, like, stars, like, famous on a level where, like, they become... Okay, this is gonna sound weird to say, but like you, when you become a star like that, you become like kind of dehumanized, you know? Yeah. Like, well, you get really weird. You get very <laughs> odd. I think, I think fame, like, I think anyone who experiences like that level of fame, they get very strange. Yeah. You know, like, like so, Tom Brady is not a normal guy. You know, like he's he's a weirdo. Yeah. Like, uh, like we just saw it at the Oscars. Like Will Smith is clearly a strange dude. Oh, dude, you that's know? like. And so I think that level. I think of the fame, fame is getting to him. Yeah, like that level of fame, like really, like Tom Cruise, very very odd guy. Super. Uh, but yeah. it, that level of fame, like, really changes a lot of people, yeah. and that sucks for that individual. I'm sure that those people aren't like as happy as many people who have a little bit more anonymity. But mm-hmm. I think for the sport as a whole it would be helpful if some people got real weird. So would you take Would you take the hit? Would you be the one that becomes like, would you trade being like a normal person for like being famous and being like hated? No, I, no. I like being a normal guy. Yeah. Uh, and I like, you know, we talked about it earlier, like I can go to Target and no one knows it notices me, you know? I hope that changes for you. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I would, I, I, I don't do. know what would need to happen in Boston yeah. for that to change where you went into any Target. Yeah. Any Target. Yeah. yeah. I would have to like, I have to win Boston and then go on a late show, like I go on a real media tour and yeah. then for like maybe six months, people yeah. would recognize me. I feel like with the way the world is now, like obviously in your regular life, it feels like you're really far away from stardom, but the way like meter is, I think you could be one race away from being like a superstar. It's kind of like uh, Doug. Is that his name? Doug Eddard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for like, the Peacocks. Yeah. St. Like, Peter's. Like what was the stats on his Instagram followers, George? Some like from 3,000 to like 200,000 in a few days. Like I think if you, if you, if you crush Boston and you do something that gets super viral, yeah, you, I don't even. What did that kid even do apart just, from just be like the only so white kid on story. the team and just? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He had like the three biggest like games of his life and played really well in front on the biggest yeah. stage. You know, if he lights it up in the like, I think they're in the MAC. If he like lights it up in the MAC conference games, nobody notices. But <laughs> yeah, the fact that he he timed it where he had his best days on the biggest stage. Well, yeah, March Madness is yeah. kind of set up to produce like yeah. stories like that and, mm-hmm. and stars. So. But so is the Boston Marathon. <laughs> so, <laughs> so is, that's right. Yeah. So I, I believe I believe that you can do it. I don't know what you would have to do apart from running really well, but I think you would have to do something else as well. Mm-hmm. Like something kind of, you would have to do something weird. Is what I want to say. You'd have to have a really good post-race interview. And then... <laughs> well, yeah, a good yeah. example is Shalane. Like sure. In, that was when you also did well in New York, right? 2018? Uh, was that when she came no, top three? No, she... Oh, yeah, she must have come top three that year, but she'd won the year previous. Oh, Wait, what did she do apart from winning? She, she said, like, fuck, the fuck yeah fuck thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I think you that, think that was worth, like... 100%. I think that did, like, a lot for her. I don't... What do you... Yeah. Think? No, I mean, it's... 
All right, make sure you get a line. Yeah, it certainly didn't hurt. Line, <laughs> it certainly didn't hurt. Get a line ready with yeah, okay. 100, 200 to go that, <laughs> that you can mouth okay. into the cameras. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Shalane has done a lot to build her profile in her career. Like, probably, like, the billion cookbooks she sold has also helped. But I think yelling, fuck yeah, like, did a lot for her. I would say it would, the rankings of, in terms of like what has boosted her stature was winning New York. And then that's one, and then one A or one B or whatever, like a close second is the cookbooks. Yeah. Because the average, the general population doesn't know about world medals or Olympic medals. Like, no. They know about, they know about cookbooks. Yeah. They know about, (laughs) if you were to go back, would you have made Inside a Marathon a cookbook? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've I've always had this, uh, this like idea of, like getting like a very nice camera and like going from like burrito place to burrito place and doing like a, uh, like a coffee table book of just like burritos from across the country. Like I think we have ideas similar to that for like coffee based stuff. Mm. I think if you could get that into, um, urban outfitters, I think it would do (laughs) really well. You know, like demo. (laughs) Yeah. Like if you know that table in urban outfitters, that's like vinyl, but also like a book of poems, yeah. you know, like if you could get it onto that table, I think it would do really well. Yeah. You're blowing you up. just probably walk in there and put it on that table. Yeah. Nothing on that table looks like it's getting yeah. sold there. You could just go in and put it down. Yeah. So what is like the deal with burritos? Like obviously you really like them. Yeah. I mean, it started as a joke to be honest. Okay. Like, I mean, obviously my do. like, my like of them is real. Like that's very authentic, but the I started making that joke when I was in Portland and we would go every Friday to the same burrito place. It was called Boulevard Tacos then. Now it's called Burrito Azteca. Um, and uh, it was like kind of like the early days of Twitter when people, when A, it was all jokes. There was none of the sort of like anxiety, hand, like hand-wringing, um, this is what's wrong with this sort of. Which is most of Twitter. Yeah, yeah, chapter of Twitter. It was all jokes. And it was people who were using it the way that like our parents or like aunts and uncles use Facebook now, where it's just like a statement of fact. There are a lot of like, there are a lot of like, man, look at this shirt. You know? <laughs> and so, so I just started, uh, I started out by every time I would get a Corona, I would just say, find your beat, found my beach. Cause it was, that was the Corona oh, tagline yeah. was, That's funny. uh, was find your beach. And I would just say, find, found my beach. And I would t- post a picture and then, um, and then it was just like, it was just very like statement of fact with a picture of burrito. It was just like eating a burrito, like loved this burrito. This burrito is really good. And I would usually like misspell things or I would add extra spaces or like not put the hashtag in the right place. It would be like eating this hashtag space Mexican food. <laughs> That's good. But the Mexican food would be like one word, like a hashtag. Um, it gets people's attention. Yeah. Man. <laughs> it was basically the a subtleties. Yeah, yeah. It was basically right. a ripoff of this account called Coffee Dad. Okay. <laughs> which it would have it would all be like drinking my coffee or like enjoying my coffee with mis uh misused hashtags and then like every 20th tweet would be like um like it's been seven weeks since my son passed i can't believe how lonely i am <laughs> <laughs> just dropping those yeah in there. and it was back when there was no backlash on twitter so it was still funny yeah. and um so i just ripped <laughs> off that with burritos and then I got faster and I got more followers and it really took off. Like people started sending me pictures of burritos <laughs> yeah. and I was like, I really got to do something with this. So I started rating them. I've done a bit where I like put um, like the word burrito into like a popular song lyric. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, and it's become I don't know. It's sort of like taking a life of its own. That's how you start a community. Yeah, and breeders are. And now we're the Burrito Mafia. Easy to get behind. Yeah, like everyone wants to be part of the Burrito Mafia. That's right. Who doesn't like that? Genius. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Do you ever? I guess this this is a stupid question, but do you ever get annoyed about? like being like really well known for burritos no i don't i think it's that's like i think being known for something like really silly is like more that's like much harder than being known for something that you actually like put a lot of work into it's true because like everybody every single one of us like no matter what a professional runner says like we all work our asses off we all really want this like none of us are lazy whatever like that's not there's no differentiation if all we're talking about is how bad you want something. Mm -hmm. But like being known for something really silly that like brings joy to people's life, like burritos or like tweeting about burritos or like, that's like way more interesting to me than like um, being known as the guy who like is really diligent about his rehab. (laughs) Yeah. You know? You 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 guys just summed up like, well, that's my goal. Like, like, that's why I just, like Chicken Boy Morgan like has no meaning really behind it (laughs) apart from just being like different and like, the YouTube videos and stuff, like, they're just silly. But, like, uh, I, I get nervous because, like, I definitely try, like, obviously, like, that is me. Like, it's, like, what I'm into. I'm putting, I'm expressing myself. But, yeah, if you, like, watch my YouTube videos and you see how silly they are and then you came and hung out with me, you'd be like, wait, this guy goes to bed at, like, 9.30? Like, what yeah. a fucking loser. <laughs> like, like, man, I thought this guy was wacky and wild. He's just, he's just the same as the rest of them. <laughs> he freaking, yeah. He just, yeah, he does. He's prehab, he's rehab. Like, you're totally right, where it's like, something like that is so cool to, yeah, differentiate yourself and have a, have a I mean, that's even what me and Ollie figured out in LA. No one was coming up to us because they thought our running was cool. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. just wanted, yeah. They just were asking about gas and yeah. like wanting to do like take coffee club photos. Yeah. They didn't give a shit about the running. And, and like it makes sense though because like I as a fan of other stuff, I'm the exact same. Like if someone like in music, for example, like there are certain artists who have like shared a lot more, like like made like vlogs and shit. And like I don't think their music is like better than other people or whatever, but I fucking love them. And mm-hmm. like it's like a deep down love just because like <laughs> it's like deep down. So so yeah, but. The other thing I want to ask you about, I don't know like how long ago exactly you did this, but you also had your own podcast about movies. Is this correct? Yeah. The yeah. showrunners? The showrunners, yeah. So you're like a massive movie buff? I, I do like movies. I haven't been watching as many uh, lately as I should be. And I, I don't, like I feel bad that I've let that lapse and I would like to get back on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't done it in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So was that like, how many episodes of that did you do? I think I've done like six or seven. Okay, not not a ton. You got yeah. you got to bring that back. I know, I know the showrunner. I mean, that's yeah. a good name. It is a great name. <laughs> it was. I really enjoyed doing it in person, and then the pandemic forced us to do it over Zoom, and um, it's not as fun for me. I like it's being, not the same. Yeah, it's a lot harder. Yeah, yeah. So if I was to ask you like a general question about like the place that you see like media and self promotion as like a part of like a pro runners like job mm-hmm. like like where do you see it as like like obviously it's extremely valuable but do you think like it should be a pro runner's job to do all this like cool stuff that like you've done and like we try to do um i don't think it should be i think promoting yourself should be going above and beyond what is asked of you as a professional runner because if you look at other sports and other like um like, I don't think an athlete should have to be an athlete and a an am- brand ambassador. Yeah. I think 
if you really want to be a good brand ambassador, you can take on that responsibility. But I think the onus should be on the companies uh, to promote themselves through the athlete. And mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think they have an obligation to promote the individual athlete, but using that athlete that you're putting money into in order to like advance the storyline of the brand is like a no brainer to me. Like hundred um, percent, you know, like I just, it's just not, it's just not how other, uh, sports are, um, like structured, you know, like, well, yeah, think about, think about any, um, big American sports team and just imagine how big their media department is. Yeah. It's like, they're putting like, like millions and millions of dollars into creating content. Yeah. That's what we're competing against right now. Yeah. Like it's not, it shouldn't be on, <laughs> like, for example, it shouldn't be on Tiger Woods to promote all of his partners. It should be on his partners to use Tiger to promote themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, like Tiger basically doesn't have an Instagram or Twitter presence, but he is, you know, obviously because of his performance, um, is, you know, one of the most recognizable and famous athletes in the history of the world. And in part of that is because his people have used him. He hasn't needed to like post a Instagram story of him wearing Jordans or something like that. You know, yeah. it seems really obvious when you put it like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I think for us, like, I mean, in an ideal world, all I would do is train mm-hmm. and race. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't do like, I would, I would have, yeah, like work with other people to do all this other shit. But yeah, obviously the infrastructure is just not there in our sport. And, but I mean, it is obviously shifting because like a, a group like NAZ Elite or a lot of other groups out there definitely, I think they're extremely late to the party to be fair, but like they're seeing the value of all that stuff. Like, yeah, you can create fans. Cause I definitely look at it. Like if I'm just looking at it personally, like, man, I don't, I'm not trying to like bag on myself again, but like I haven't raced in a long time, but then you, there are other ways to be relevant. And at the end of the day as a pro runner, like it, that's kind of what you kind of want to be relevant. Yeah. Cause that's where your value lies. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hopefully brands continue to cotton on and, get better at it yeah. pretty much like there's we, we i think there's a lot of cool stuff we could do with oac that we like unfortunately don't currently do but yeah <laughs> big stretch guys yeah I've, Gus, stretch. Just, Gus just stretched his neck in a way that i don't think i've ever I seen him do that before well and that goes back to <clears throat> like staying relevant as a marathoner if you race twice a year like yeah. that should be on the brand to fill in that gap mm-hmm. of six months yeah like 100 percent yeah, well, there's a lot of cool stuff. shit happening still in those yeah. months. I yeah. think, yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, if a brand really, like, a brands need content just as much as they need like a because what we do as professional runners and as like ambassadors for brands is basically to lend validity to the brand. They we make it cool. We make we testify to the product. We our performances like are evidence that this product works. But like, so like the brands should just, they need to double down on their investments. Like the issue isn't, um, the issue is not investing enough. Uh, so like, like for a group, right? Like for OAC, like, I think you guys should have your own content creator or like OAC could, or sorry, on could very easily find a, uh, person in boulder to contract with and be like Don't hey started, bro. Yeah. Need you, like, yeah. like yeah, one yeah. yeah one workout a month we yeah. need you taking pictures or like one workout a month we need a video you know like that's a really that's an absolute no-brainer yeah well, and then right, yeah. that could be 300 pictures that could go to the on 
on and they could use it on their Instagram or use it on their website as they wish. That's their content. And probably yeah. all those 10 athletes are also going to use those same that same content. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. it's weird. It's such a small world. The obvious, the obvious comparison is 10 men because they've been able to build like a massive brand without the same performance as other groups. They're like a massive brand and like Adidas honestly hasn't helped them very much in terms of like what they do. Like they have a ton of value and they've done it by just having like they literally have a full-time media person Mm -hmm. and it works it works like it it shouldn't be on athletes to also be the creative marketers like those are two like separate kind of full-time jobs not being an athlete isn't a full-time job you can have a (laughs) you can have a side gig but like being like a marketing person for like a multi-million dollar property like and as the elite was like on athletic club like if you combined all of your guys's contracts all of your guys's research all of your value it's a multi-million dollar a year industry like mm-hmm. like if you look at a multi-million dollar a year like company like let's say picky bars before yeah. um uh before they got bought by laird like i bet that they had a full-time marketing person i yeah, bet it wasn't like the person yeah. who was uh like experimenting in the kitchen to make the picky bars wasn't also in charge <laughs> of their instagram i guarantee it yeah um, well, that's crazy that all these brands have obviously seen that Tin Man hired this guy, Max, does all this stuff, generates huge success. All right, why would every other team not hire a Max yeah. for them? Yeah, it's a no-brainer, honestly. Why would don't every team like a not bro- have a Max? It sound like a broken record, but <laughs> it's... Uh... Every team should have that one guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, my theory Two on guys. it, in part, <laughs> is <three>. because... <laughs> yeah, I mean, my theory on it is part is because uh, brands don't necessarily see athletes being with them their whole career and they don't want to promote someone who then will eventually be on another for another company that's mm. that is a, um, that is interesting which is so fucking short-sighted yeah you know yeah yeah like, i mean if you do the best job at, at uh promoting an athlete even if they went to a different company people still in some way associate them with yeah. you so yeah. i think yeah. and that's not really how it works in any other sport you yeah. know like <laughs> Like Adidas poured a ton of resources into marketing Kobe Bryant. Yeah. When he was with Adidas, he was eventually with Nike. Yeah. That doesn't mean the Adidas money was wasted. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he sold a lot of shoes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's very interesting. I guess at the end of the day, we're just like talking about peanuts compared to other sports. And it's like, yeah. hopefully we can make those peanuts into what's a bigger, better nut. Like I thought you were going to peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> I like these peanuts to grow into peanut trees. Do peanuts grow on trees? No. Uh, they, they grow underground, bro. I don't know where this metaphor is going, but hopefully the pie can become a bigger pie, mm-hmm. and then we can all have a slice a slice of that pie, and then sure. that same percentage is a bigger slice. That's my dream. <laughs> for the pie to be bigger for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. This is a small slice right here. Yeah, this is a very small slice. slice. But who knows, maybe one day. But, yeah, is there anything else that you would like to talk about today? I feel like we've like talked about like a ton of interesting stuff. Gus has no... Gus is done. <laughs> <laughs> Gus thinks we're done. Thank God. They're going to stop talking soon. and go outside. Yeah. Uh, no, man, we covered a bunch of stuff. I mean, if there's anything else you guys want to talk about, I'm happy to do it for longer, but... I'm good. I mean, I'm just excited to go see you run in Boston and... Uh, we talked about this on last episode that we're going to have like an unofficial coffee club track club thing where anyone who comes as a guest, we're going to have like a board eventually. And like the fastest guests 
like PBs are going to be on the board. Mm. So I forgot we talked about that. Yeah, hopefully you go and run super quick in a couple of weeks, and then your name goes up on the board. Gotcha. My Mar- past marathon. performances don't get up on the. No. It's post no. coffee. Yeah, club. it's you guys post wanna, episode. Yeah. yeah, so you guys want to see if there's a coffee club bump or a coffee club curse is what you're really trying to figure out. I'm trying to think. Yeah, have we had any? I guess we haven't interviewed enough people yet to. Yeah, they're then gone on a race, but I guess so. You're our first test. Okay. So, <laughs> so right. about it at least. Yeah. yeah, it 100% hinges on how you do. All right, 12 days. 12 better, days. Better yeah. be ready. Yeah. No, this was great. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank no, you, thank you guys for having me. Yeah. Are you, you going to be racing in a hat? I've liked the new look lately, like the black singlet and hat. Yeah, I got a, I got a haircut uh, so that I didn't have to race in a hat, but I would like to. I would like I'm to. I'm all about it. You got some nice flow. If I have a... I, I'm, I'm coming to Boston, actually. Okay. Are you running the, running the mile or something? Don't do the marathon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 5K. Well, 5K, nice. Yeah. That's a fun race. It's a fun race. And I'm for sure going to run in the head, I think. Dude, I'm running on the road. road racing, man. You, Why would I no, not run in the head? There's, no, there's no rules in road yeah. racing. It's fucking cool, I don't know bro. if there's rules on the track either. Can you run in a hat on the track? You can. Yeah. It's just, just, that it's just not as weird. Cool, but on the road, like... The track's not as cool. I'm definitely going to yeah. do that. At night, it's not cool to wear a hat, right? No. No, unless it's backwards. <laughs> That's <laughs> definitely then super, super Then it's super cool. <laughs> yeah. Get, get all the bitches. But uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, it's been lovely to have this chat and we wish you the best at Boston. Uh, thank you to everyone who listened. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks, guys.